Okay, and now we're recording. Um, welcome. Uh, who are you? Aaron. Aaron Whitworth. <laughs> Pronounce your last name again? Whitworth. Whitworth? Okay, yeah. all right, cool. Because um, I don't think I've, I've never heard you actually say your last name before. Um, Whitworth? Whitworth. For some reason, I thought it was Witter. Witter. No, a lot of people say Witter. Okay. Uh, I'm trying to think of some of the other names. Uh, or the spellings, the interesting spellings people come up with. But Whitworth. <laughs> um, how are you dealing with the riding in the cold? You don't seem adverse to that. I do not mind it at all. Okay. Um, it's funny, Greg and I were having this conversation not long ago because for the past five years or six years, we've had the, the studio mm-hmm. and every winter ride that we've done has mm-hmm. been indoors. So for about five or six years, I realized I never really rode outside in the winter okay. because if it was bad weather, yeah. I mean, if it was nice weather, it's outside, it was cold, but it's not... Right, you it's know, not rain. it's not. Yeah. It's never really that cold when you're in Virginia. I'm from Ohio, where it can be very cold. Okay. <laughs> so I never feel like Virginia's that cold. But um, this year, I started riding outside, and I was like, you know, I haven't ridden outside in the winter, and now I'm riding during the week, mm-hmm. early mornings before it's light. So it's extremely cold and very dark. But it's also been very nice to just to get outside, get air, get get that time to myself before the day starts. And so I don't mind it so much. Although I've been asked to go ride tomorrow morning and I said, you know, I'm not quite sure I want to do 19 degrees tomorrow morning, but I'll make a decision tonight. That seems like an extreme. (laughs) I saw that chat happening and I'm just, you know, I can manage 30 when it's like sunny out. Yeah. Like in the dark, just not quite the thing or did you already have the gear for winter riding or did you yes. have to like okay well and that's that's a big deal that's okay. a huge deal yes okay i've had i've been fortunate over the years i have quite an army of the best clothes to wear <laughs> and uh it, and i really don't even need that much but i have the the right stuff so it makes it tolerable but okay. when you get below like 25 degrees yeah and you're out past like an hour and 15 minutes it's your body starts turning cold mm-hmm. <laughs> no matter how hard you're trying to ride and that just doesn't it's not fun anymore have you in my on, opinion <laughs> have you bailed on some rides that would have been too cold um no bailed? no i haven't bailed on any yet um i've done a few this year where it was sub 25 and i was like you know it's getting a little bit not fun towards the end when you're your body temperature leaves and you're just like, okay, I'm just cold. I just want to get home. Just pedal to get home. Just pedal to get home. Just pedal to get home. That's when it's not fun. But no, I haven't, I haven't bailed on any. I mean, I have clients in, in Minnesota who ride in negative degrees and they have these crazy face masks on. And one client said he has frostbite on his nose right now. And I'm like, what are you doing? Uh, I won't do that. Right, okay. Yeah, that's not... That, that, there's no point to that, but... Yeah, because then you can't enjoy all the other rides if you've no. got frostbite and you're yeah. anyway, um, That's extreme. Um, when did you start road biking? When did when did your road biking start? Uh, Good question. When I was five. Okay. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> I took the training wheels off my bike when I was five. Okay. And my dad has always ridden a bike. So I would pick up and ride with him at times and... He, he every year would train for what's called Tosser, the tour of Scioto River Valley in Ohio. Okay. okay. And so I, every couple of years I would say, oh yeah, I'm going to go jump in and do the first 25 miles. <laughs> and uh, 
the worst memory was to we rode and it was pouring rain and probably 40 degrees and I thought that our rest stops were like like restaurants where there was warm bathrooms warm food like comfortable places to stop and as you know what it means it's Mm -hmm. it's a picnic shelter outside with some uh, bags of goodies to go Uh, But yeah, I started uh, a little bit then, and then I kind of, um, I rode here and there. I'd ride with my dad Mm -hmm. um, in high school some in the mornings, or uh, if I was home from college on breaks a little bit. And then after I, I've had a couple of spinal fusions when I was in college. Uh, I played field hockey in college. And when, in between those, my rehab was riding a bike. And that turned into, after college, I was commuting to and from work mm-hmm. uh, on my 80s Schwinn Latour down tube shifting in DC. And a local racer, mm-hmm. uh, famous racer, Dave Osborne, came up and was like, hey, do you race bikes? And I was like, racing bikes is for people on TV. What are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> And uh, I was like, would you ride on a team? And I was like, teams are for people who race on TV. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> and so he invited me to join their team, which was Artemis. Okay. And uh, that's kind of how I got into more road ra- road riding, road racing, okay. in a more serious look. Okay. Um, yeah. Um, well, it's been moving pretty quickly from to, to pull over and, 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 and actually about joining the team. Um, okay. All right. Um, so that's how you got into the racing, um, or riding rather, I should say. Mm-hmm. Um, at what point did you decide I'd like to coach? Like, how did that, how did that Coaching. Yeah. That, um, that kind of evolved. So I started racing in 2007. Okay. And, um, I think it was probably 2008 or 2009 when I hired my first coach. Okay. And he was a pretty big deal in, in Philly. And I was like, I just want to see if I can be the best I can be. I don't know what that is. Yeah. I have no idea where that's going to go. Okay. But I've heard your name mentioned from several of the people I ride and race with, you know, coach me. Mm-hmm. And so I started uh, being coached by him. And then after a few years, he started doing this um, big program with uh, Bristol Myers Squibb okay. to do a coast to coast um uh, let me think of exactly what it's called. Climb to, climb to Conquer Cancer, Coast to Coast, um, mm-hmm. so that they were raising funds for cancer research okay. uh, with employees of Bristol Myers Squibb. Okay. So people who, some of whom have never ridden a bike before, some of whom have ridden a little bit, but maybe when yeah. they were kids. And we were taking them from West Coast to East Coast okay. in groups, in different segments. Okay, but okay. In like tag team, yeah. So like I, I, he asked me to come on board to help coach mm-hmm. a group of of their um, employees to help get them ready. And this was like a, I think we had like a six month training plan for them. Okay. Get them on bikes, get them going. Okay. And then do this event. So I started doing a little bit of coaching with him for that, and then after that, uh, I started coaching. Uh, I, I enjoyed it mm-hmm. and I was like well let me see if I can coach some more okay. and I was still working full time um, so I was coaching for another friend of mine who at the time was I'm trying to think was he at the time at the time I think he was my husband's coach 
and we were working together and then it um from there i split off and then started sweet spot okay okay all right um what do you do for work it's completely awesome what do you do you, you coach Zoe? i coach okay all right yep. okay okay all right Coach, um, full-time mom. <laughs> which is enough. Which is, the mom is, is, is enough. Um, well, and there was a reason behind all this and a plan behind all this. Okay, yeah. Thankfully has worked out so far, but. Well, good. Um, how old are your kids? I'm sorry? How old are your kids? Um, my daughter is five mm-hmm. and my son just turned two on January 1st. Wow. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, wow. New Year's okay. Day baby. Yeah. Uh, my nephew's a New Year's baby and my niece. Yeah. Is a New Year's Eve baby. Oh. She likes to remind everyone <laughs> months before her birthday is coming up and we should be helping her celebrate. Um, That's great. And the other one's like the complete opposite. Like he just doesn't mention his birthday at all. Ever. Yeah. Um, so funny. <laughs> um, um, so, um, uh, Sweet Spot Cycling Studio um, starts. Um, what kind of trainers were you all? Compu trainers, right? Yes. Okay. We use Compu trainers. Um, how long was the studio? How long did you have the studio? We started in 2015, in April of 2015. Okay. Uh, And we started inside the Richmond Bicycle Studio where Craig Dotson was running Richmond Mm -hmm. Cycling Corps and the Richmond Bicycle Studio. Mm -hmm. So the funny story, I guess, there was Craig had been running these classes in the morning. And I I think it was just the morning. It could have been morning and evening. where he had just these big old green kinetic trainers, mm-hmm. a chalkboard, a metronome, and his voice. And he's like, this is what we're doing, folks. And people, his, his early supporters would come in early morning. They'd line up in this, this semicircle yeah. and knock out these workouts. And uh, he would just say, okay, this is your perceived effort. This is where we're going. This is what we're doing next. Here, go. For this much amount of, you know, this much... 30 seconds or five yeah. minutes or whatever it is. Yeah. And so they knocked this out and he was getting to the point where he had somebody who was working for him who was going to leave, who was teaching the classes. So he called mm-hmm. my husband yeah. and was like, hey, Greg, I've known you. I trust you. Would you be interested in doing this? And I was eavesdropping on the conversation <laughs> on the phone because we had just talked about how I wanted to quit completely what I was doing. Mm-hmm and start something fully into coaching and fully into some sort of training aspect. Yeah. And so I was like, Hey, wait, look at me. Hi. (laughs) I don't know you, Craig, but let me introduce myself. And, uh, so I started teaching these classes Yeah. and, uh, it was a tough crowd at first. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, people were like, who are you? Like, we don't know you. We don't, we don't want you just coming in here and taking over this stuff. And understandably, so we kept things going as it was. Yeah. And that was in November. Mm-hmm. And then come April, I said, no, we're launching this. We're going to go into a computer studio. It's going to be a thousand times better. This is what my coach had been doing up in, in Philadelphia. So okay. I knew I was familiar with training work, the yeah. computer studios. And I knew another another person in North Carolina who has them. And so uh, we launched Sweet Spot in April of 2015 inside the Richmond Bicycle Studio. And uh, kind of changed everybody's perspective of how how training on a kinetic trainer to it's still kind of a kinetic trainer but it's right. a smart trainer and it's right. hardwired and it, it the, the difference is you can't just stop pedaling <laughs> you can't stop right. well you can you can stop but yeah. you know it gives you i don't know if you've experienced the compu trainer 
I have not been on a Confu tramp. I've heard of them many times, but I've not actually been on one. Yeah. But go ahead. Well, it just I like I would I would create all the workouts. So yeah. if I say, hey, we're doing threshold for two minutes at seventy RPMs, and you come in at fifty RPMs, mm-hmm. let's say you just stopped or something, yeah. then it just it locks it locks the power down on you. But oh. you start cranking up, you get in, yeah. and you get to the right cadence, okay. the power locks in, everything settles in, uh, right. okay. and you're yeah. in the right place. Yes. Yeah, so yeah. in theory, you can sit in your studio, mm-hmm. I could have a brand new person who's never ridden a bike before, I could have mm-hmm. a, a kid up against, you know, Eddie, Eddie Anderson, yeah, or whoever, somebody world-class level, sitting mm-hmm. right next to each other doing the same class, right. but because it's based around your, your FTP, yeah. Each person's getting the workout to themselves and what's beneficial for them. Okay. So it's pretty it's pretty cool in that respect. Very and you get a class setting, so you're not, you know, your solo. Yeah. Although Zwifting is allowing for a lot more than just being alone. You know. Yeah, and Zwifting is yeah, it's making things different. Um, you know, with being able to, to kind of ride indoors. Um, but it's still not the best for for training platforms. Like sure. it's it's not the best. It's social, sure, but it's still I I found it's still not the best for like actually training. Um if you're trying to follow structured workouts and things like that. Okay. Um, um how do you help someone determine their if they've not ridden before, like how do you help someone determine their FTP? Or excuse me, they've ridden some. Sure. Right, but how, yeah. do, you, how do you help them figure that no, out? No, it's it's a great question. Yeah. And it's it's not always easy. Okay. Um I got pretty good at reading people okay. based off of questions. So okay. if you walked in the studio, I was like, Trey, you've never been in here before. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd say, how often are you riding? Okay. What kind of riding are you doing? Road riding, mountain biking, gravel in between. Are you on the trainer a lot? You know, all these little things start helping me figure out and paint the picture of, okay, you've never been on a trainer before. Let's say that. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to knock, your, I'm automatically going to knock your FTP down a little bit lower than what I think. Okay. Because the trainer, as you know, mm-hmm. you have to pedal all the time. Yep. When yeah. you're outside yeah. on the road, you can coast, coast. Yeah. Right? Coasting's great. Yeah. And that means that you're getting, you're, you're going to get more tired faster on a trainer than you're outside. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, then I asked, like, what kind of speeds are you riding? Mm-hmm. Um, what kind of cadence are you riding? Okay. Because a lot of, I mean, all of the workouts that I create, we do a change of cadence. Mm-hmm. And 99% of people hate cadence above 90 RPMs. Okay. And guess what I make you do? A yeah. lot of cadence work above 90 RPMs. <laughs> we do a lot below, yeah. but below is a lot easier for people than okay. higher because higher also kicks your heart rate up. And so not only are you doing higher cadence that you're uncomfortable with, okay. your heart rate gets higher and then you're suddenly like, oh, this is really hard. You're challenging yourself. More. Yeah. You're okay. challenging yourself in a new way. Okay. Even if the power isn't as hard, you're still challenging yourself in a different way. Okay. So all of these little questions, then I start get, and then I, I also ask what weight is because, um, that helps with figuring mm-hmm. out an FTP that would be appropriate. Okay. You know, we okay. may have the same, well, I won't go into that, but yeah. it, all these little things will help me come you up with a, a number. And then we start and I start watching someone. If I see like, mm-hmm. Hey, they're just blowing through. This is too easy. I'll yeah. start increasing their FTP as we're going. Yeah. And so we kind of find that zone where I'm like, we're in a tempo effort and now you look like you're kind of doing a tempo effort. Okay. You know, or we're doing something that's really easy, but you're now huffing and puffing. Okay, this is wrong. I need yeah. to back it off. Um, so we play a little guesswork until we figure it out, but okay. it's usually fairly close and close enough that even on a first class, 
somebody gets the right benefit out of it. Okay. You find you find the the, the sweet spot. Yeah. yeah. You find the, the right space for their FTP. Um, Jessica talked about that. Um, yeah. About her coming in and doing a workout the first time and you being <laughs> on the thing. Yeah. <laughs> hitting, the, hitting the button and realizing that she could do, do a bit more. Oh, yes. Um, Jess is sneaky. Yeah. I, I thought that was that was entertaining there. Um, <laughs> um uh, and she was fun to she was fun to talk. She she, she enjoys her uh, riding fast quite a bit. Oh yes, um, she's um, quite talented. You ride off road as well. Yes. Okay. Um, it's been a while, but okay. Um, did you start riding like cyclocross? Did you start doing like like did you start with racing or did you like do it kind of casually before you went into like racing off? You just I, I don't do anything racing. casually. <laughs> okay. okay. All right. No, I, um, so I started road, road racing in 2007 mm-hmm. and then I met Greg in 2010 mm-hmm. through a mutual friend and teammate and he is, his first sport is cyclocross. He's been doing that forever. Mm-hmm. And then he was doing some road because it's good for your fitness. It's good for skills, other stuff. Yeah. And so when we, when we met and we, we got together, then I started doing cyclocross. He started doing more road. So then we were just traveling all year. Yeah. You know, doing all these different things. So I jumped in. Yeah. And the first race I ever did was this big race in Charm City. Okay. Um, and I had a mountain bike that was a POS. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and I just happened to have it because I had bought it years ago. And I was just yeah. kind of like, whatever, it's a, a whatever bike. Mm-hmm. And so they're like, yeah, you can do it on a mountain bike. It's not, not a big deal. You can have flat bars. Um as long as you're not in the UCI category. Okay. So I go to buy a license and get registered for my first cyclocross race. And they're like, well, you're, you have a UCI license on the road. You're a cat oh. one. So you have to race the UCI cat one race. Okay. Cyclocross. And I was like, I, I can't do that. <laughs> I'm not going to subject these, these people who are super talented. Yeah. I don't have a clue what I'm doing. I've yeah. never been on a course. I don't yeah. know what this is. Like, this is my first time checking it out, right? Yeah. So I'm going through every rule I can find to figure out how to get out of this. And I finally see, like, you can't ride a mountain bike in UCI race. And I was like, <laughs> I only have a mountain bike. This is my first race ever. You can't make me a cat one. <laughs> so they're like, fine, okay, start here. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it was a three or something. I don't know. So I did this race and it was the worst experience ever. It was so hard. I got through like most of one lap and I see my friends and I'm like, when is this over? And they just started <laughs> laughing. They're like, you have four more laps. And I was like, are you joking? I'm done. Like, this is horrible. So I finished the race and then I was like, actually, that was really fun mm-hmm. in hindsight, you yeah. know, and it was really cool. Something very different. Yeah. And so, um, I started doing that in, I guess, 2010. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, so not, it wasn't terrible. It wasn't so terrible that you weren't going to do it again. Oh no. I, I raced it until I started having kids and okay. then I haven't really raced it since. Um, you mentioned categories. Yeah. Can you explain the, the racing categories a little bit? Sure. So when you enter into racing, mm-hmm. it used to be that you started as a cat four in women and a cat five in men. Okay. Now I think they both have cat five categories. Okay. And to be perfectly honest, the rules have changed in the past couple of years and I don't know all the details yeah. about yeah. it, but you start as a cat five and I think you can, now you can show up for start like 10 races. It may not even be that many. Okay. 
and then you can do an automatic upgrade okay. to a four. Then mm -hmm. once you get into the four category, you have to start earning points to upgrade. Okay. So you earn a point by how you finish in a race. Okay. And how and, and that depends on if it's a criterium, if it's a road race, if it's a stage race, mm -hmm. and then how many people are in your field. Okay. So for men, it's usually not an issue to have a field size meet the right category because you're there's a lot of men that race. For women in smaller areas, it's a lot harder to meet the minimum requirement, making it harder to earn points at times, unless you're the Anyways, one winning. Yeah. Um, so yeah, then as you go through each category, it gets a little bit harder and a little bit harder to earn mm -hmm. your points, plus you're moving up in categories, so right. it naturally gets harder. Right. And then um, the highest ranking is a one before mm -hmm. you become a, earn a professional license or a UCI, uh, which is different, like if yeah. you're on a different team, a UCI-based team or a continental or domestic, okay. whatever all those other teams are. Um, all those other things. Um, <laughs> Brian Park. Is that a crit? Is that a Brian, Brian Park? Is a crit? Technically, no. Okay. Because a crit has to be under... Wait, let me think about this. I don't know the... T I think a crit has to be under one mile. The lab, uh, somebody's going to shoot me for this if they hear that's, this. That's, but... <laughs> that's fine. It's a, I call it a circuit. Okay. I mean, it is, it's a crit for all purpose, purpose of what it is okay um but i also think of criteriums more as the i would call that more the office park crit because it's just there's not really any turns it's more just a loop a rounded yeah. loop mm -hmm. a lot of the real fun race criteriums mm -hmm. are four six or eight corners okay in a sub one mile lap okay um so it's it's crazy fun. It's like it's like picturing being in a downtown. Mm -hmm. Somebody just blocks off some roads and you're racing through these streets. Yeah. So you're you're in a turn, 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 right. sprint, turn. That's what a crit usually is. Right. But Brian Park would be the closest thing to a, a, a crit here. Okay. Right. Yeah. Um, have there been any other road races here? No. There have been. Okay. It's been a few years. Okay. Um, Chip Goble used to put on. The Richmond Road Race, I think it was called. Okay. Um, there have been a few, but they're they're harder to do. You have to get road closures. You have to pay for pay for that. You have to have police. You have to have all kinds of stuff that costs money. And yeah. When you don't have a massive amounts of people that want to come and race and pay all the fine, you know, it just it makes it difficult. Um, so there haven't been any real road races, I don't think, in the past few years. But okay. there used to be. Uh, was it Meadow? I'm trying to think of the name of it. But it would go out by Ashenberry Farms mm -hmm. um, out in that area uh, and do a nice loop. Okay. Um, and there were, before I ever moved to Richmond, there were definitely races that were happening, more okay. road races. But in general, across the U.S., a lot of road races are dying. Okay. And crits are much easier to put on okay. uh, and, and execute. Hmm. And they're, I think, a bit more popular other than people are terrified of crashing. Things getting more challenging just to put on the race and things like that. Um, for the road races. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's it's hard. Okay. All right. Um, so yeah, I thought it asked with the Brian Park. Um, you know where that kind of falls within it, you know within the, the racing scheme. And the racing scheme, that's definitely a crit, a circuit crit. Yeah. Okay. Um, have you done any sports other than cycling? Yes. Uh, field hockey. Yes, okay. I did field hockey in high school and college. Okay. And then every other sport before that, <laughs> before high school. <laughs> um, 
what do you enjoy about road biking? What do you, what do you, what's the thing that like keeps you coming back? Why do, what do you Gosh. Super big question. Um, <laughs> I think it's fun to be able to travel. Okay. Like travel as in ride on your bike on the roads and move at a certain speed and okay. see things. Okay. Versus running, which I've done enough running in my life. I was not a runner, but you know, you don't mm-hmm. get to go as far. You don't see as much. You're kind mm-hmm. of in a closed circuit. Um, but I've also, it's racing anyway, has allowed me to travel uh, all over the U.S. Uh, and South America. And um, it, I don't know. It's just, it's fun. It's mm-hmm. I enjoy the, the scenery changes and, and meeting different people. And I, I know I'm super competitive, so the feeling of like the rush of going faster and faster. Mm-hmm. I like that. Don't get me wrong. I love my slow days, but yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's fun. It's, it's nice to be able to pedal and, and see things. And then also okay. feel like you've exercised and you feel good about yourself. Okay. All right. Um, you mentioned traveling, mm-hmm. um, of the events that you've done, the races you've done, um, like what were some of your like mem- like most memorable like in like favorite races that you've done? Oh gosh, that you can recall. The year twenty thirteen, just mark that whole year. Okay. <laughs> that was uh, that was a pretty stellar year. Okay. Um, I made it into the Fearless Femme team. Okay. Which was a big. It was really my first pro team. Okay. To race with, and I kind of tried out on a whim they took me to speed week which is a big crit racing week of race 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 take a day off race 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 take a day off um every night they're all at night okay um and you're with all the pros who come race it's kind of a way to snap your legs into to race shape before the season starts okay so i went and raced with this group and uh it was full of the most insanely fast and awesome women. Mm-hmm. And uh, they were also just goofballs because they were coming off of their pro pro teams and kind yeah. of doing like a fun year. Yeah. So we just, I don't, I'm like, I can't even put one. I'm trying to think of one particular race or event, but that whole season was just like mind blowing. Really? Okay. It was just super cool nice. to be able to just... I was a, I was a domestique, so okay. to go and do the work and attack and pull things back and get in breaks and then set up our, our sprinters for a finish and then have them just finish and execute based off of a plan that we put together okay. it was just unreal. Like, it's what you hear about, it's what you see, you think about, and you're yeah. like, yeah, that doesn't happen, you know, that's not real, like, nobody does that. Yeah. And then we do it, and we were doing it race after race after race, it was just incredible it was so cool and it was such an honor to be a part of that and get that experience Mm -hmm. that i just can't even put my finger on like one particular race it was Mm -hmm. just such an awesome season nice um explain that i've heard domestic can you you try to explain that just sure it's um you're the person who does a lot of the the kind of work or grunt work within the team dynamics so um 
I have a, a team full of sprinters okay. and I am not a sprinter. Okay. I am not the person that shows up at the end of the race and is like, ha, huh, I'm going to go yes. 40 miles an hour and I'm going to beat all of you and win. Yeah. I'm the one that's like, I will go sit on the front or in a break yeah. and hold my power and speed for 10 minutes if I need to or whatever. Yeah. Um, so in that sense, in, in the crit racing, I would go chase down breaks that we didn't want to go up the road or I would go put myself in them so that if we decided that break was okay, we at least had somebody on our team in it. Okay. Um, if you're in a road race scenario, you're the person that might be going back to a team car and okay. talking to the, to the team director. You might be going and getting drinks and bringing them back up bottles. You might be getting food. Mm-hmm. Um, and then this handing them in the race mm-hmm. okay. and, and bringing them back up to your teammates. Like okay. you would see on the tour, if you're watching the tour, you know, you're the person that's doing a lot of work to help out your teammates yeah. and protect your, your finishing riders, okay. your top finishing riders. Okay. Did you, cause that seems that's a special role. That's a special role there for you. Like, did you get placed in that kind of thing? Or did you like find, like, how did you find out that you were going to be kind of taking on that, that kind of role as you were? Racing? I mean, well, so to be clear in the crit racing, I wasn't doing any of the, let me go back to the car. <laughs> okay. Things. Yeah. No, short race, yeah. That was more the, Hey, we're going to use you. This is your role. Okay. And it was my role to protect my sprinters. Okay. So if we're in the race and let's say something wasn't going to team plan, but my sprinter comes up and she said to me, Hey, you need to go, you need to, you need to get to the front. You need to take the, the next one that hits yeah. and you're going after it. Yeah. Whoever's attacking, you're going. Yeah. And I was about to fall out the back of the race and she's yeah. like, no, you need to go again. Mm-hmm. So I get back up, make my way up to the front yeah. and I go again. Well, guess what? That ends up being the winning break. Oh, nice. And okay. then I get on the podium that day, right? So it's it's not. I mean, I knew going into this team. Yeah. I'm not the sprint finishers. Okay. And it was an honor for me to be with them. So in my mindset going into the team, I was like, whatever you want me to do, I'm here to do. If you want me to burn myself out in three yeah. laps and get out of the race, that's fine. Yeah. And that was kind of the. That was the, the deal. Like the mm-hmm. you know the director would say, hey look. I want you to do this, this, and this, at this point in the race. And I don't care how it finishes. If you're doing your job the right way, you're doing your job and that's fine. Mm-hmm. Then, you know, however it happens at the end, it ends or whatever. So it was, uh, you, you kind of knew where your role was and what your job was every time you go up to a race. And, okay. and it would change depending on what type of race it was. Okay. If it was eight corners, if it was raining, you know, if two other teams showed up that we weren't expecting that had different riders mm-hmm. that, you know, it would, it would all de- change a little bit. Did you have any type of races that you just didn't look forward to was there anything that was like ah, i don't want it with like with eight corners or something like that was there something about the race you just like you actually didn't you enjoyed the least like type any of the races that had punchy repeated hills not a thing (laughs) give me a nice long climb yeah i'll take it yeah but the punchy i i i i hate it really it is so hard so I, I had to, to find a way to put myself in the front of the race at the start of a hill mm-hmm. so that I could drift back a bit mm, yeah, yeah. and still stay in mm-hmm. and then move my, my way back up. Yeah. I mean, my riding style in a race anyway is to be up near the front. Mm-hmm. I don't like being in the middle or in the back. I don't, I don't have that snap to go from the back to the front in a matter of this. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I can serve more energy in the front. I can see what's happening. I can be active in the race when I'm in the front. But 
I had to be in the front for those those yeah. races with the, with the, with the nasty punchy, punchy hills. hills. Yeah. yeah, that um, clearly not the same. Whoops, Zwift racing. Yeah, right? not the same. Uh, <laughs> but I I agree. I've done some races on Zwift, and I don't like the monster climbs that have occurred. But I don't like the I don't like the punchy climbs either, because people attack on those for some reason. Yeah. Um, so again, Zwift racing not the same. Is is the, there's no collision. Uh, but I can understand that a bit. Like, I, yeah. yeah, not a fan. And I've also used that tactic. You get to the front and you have some room to drift back a little bit. Yeah. Uh, get on the punchy climb. So, um, um, uh, with you coaching, uh, people, uh, I kind of asked this and, uh, when did like, if someone's coming to you to be a, okay, different question. Um, what kind of, like, what kind of, Pupils are they students? People get your coaching services? Are they pupils? Athletes, clients, athletes, clients. Okay, thank you. Those are much better words than just people. Um, people, average Joe's. I don't know. <laughs> um, <laughs> my friends. <laughs> um, what are the? Because you don't just have clients who are just who are trying to be hardcore road racers, right? It's it's a it's a like what kind of breadth of clients you people do you have come come talk to you about coaching services? Mm. A, a, a pretty wide okay. variety. Okay. So I have some people who, hey, I, I need somebody who can just hold me accountable so I can just get in shape yeah. and, and be healthy. I love, I love my bike. I just I just want to ride and have somebody say, hey, do these things. It's going to help you get a little bit better. Mm-hmm. I have no aspirations in doing anything with it. I just, this is what I want to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I have people who I want to be up at the top. I don't know where I can go from here. Like, I just want to see where I can go. Yeah. I have people who want to train for Grand Fondos. I have people Mm. that want to get stronger or lose weight. I mean, it kind of, it goes all over. Okay. So I have, I I do have, uh, say most of my clients are, I would say racing in some capacity, meaning they're either training for some event or they are racing. Currently, and I currently. put the training for an event as a race in my mind. Oh, okay. 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 All right. Um, but yeah, I was curious because I, I didn't think that everyone was, was that everyone was racing. Yeah. Everyone no, not racing. everybody is. Okay. Um, uh, someone approached you and they're, they're interested in um, uh, being a client. Like, what are some of those initial questions you want to ask them when they, when they approach and say, Oh, I want to ask them so many things. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I, you know, I like to have a conversation with people about like, what, what is their interest in cycling and Mm -hmm. and, and what are their goals that they kind of have at the moment? And, um, you know, where do they, they see those, where do they see cycling taking them in, Mm -hmm. in a couple of years? Um, for people who are gung-ho racers, it's pretty easy to just say, okay, I can put you in here in this category in my head and we can work through this. But people who are kind of like, I don't know yet what I want, but I want to coach. Mm-hmm. Those are the trickier ones. Okay. Uh, and that's where I have to ask about like, do you like having structure? Mm-hmm. Because if you don't like structure, which some people think, hey, I like structure. I want structure. Yeah. But when it comes down to it, the structure of training is different than having just structure in your life of, mm-hmm. Hey, I'm going to go ride my bike today. Hey, I'm going to go to the gym tomorrow. That's different. Mm-hmm. So can you train to intervals or do you prefer riding in groups? Mm-hmm. You know, that that's a big question. People yeah. who love riding groups don't necessarily want to 
go ride by themselves yeah. or go and focus on training by yeah. themselves, mm-hmm. which are also two different things. So it's a lot of questions like that to kind of, for me to f- figure out, hey, is this person really interested or do they think they're interested and I need to tell them, no, I don't think you're interested, yeah. but let me explain in more detail what it is that I do so that you can get a better understanding of if it would be a good fit for you. Okay. Okay. Um, yes, yeah, so I was uh, curious about what that, that process was like. Um, and I figured, yes, you did have a talk with some people to yeah. figure out what their goals were if they, if they had goals. Um, but then from that, it comes down to like, hey, if you say, Aaron, I want you to coach me, I mm-hmm. want to do part of Virginia, and I want to be in the best shape of my life. Yeah. I'd say, okay, well, let's, let's go through, and we're going to map out a plan. Mm-hmm. I want to know, what does your, your week look like? Yeah. What does your day, what does each day look like? How many hours in a week do you have realistically yeah. to train? So then when the person comes back and says, oh, I can be on my bike for 15 hours. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Well, do you work a job? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. Do you have friends? Sure. Do you have a family? Maybe. Mm-hmm. Okay. So tell me where these 15 hours come from. Draw them out in the day for me. Mm-hmm. Is it between 5 and 7 a.m.? Is it between 7 and 9 p.m.? Mm-hmm. You know, and so once we start getting to that picture, then you start seeing, okay, really I have like seven or eight hours to work with and then maybe like a long day on the weekend type of thing or something like that, yeah. right? So then you get you get down into it and you realize, okay, here's what we have to work with really. Yeah. Now let's work with that because I don't want you to spend all of your time, your awake time, <laughs> trying to like slam yourself on the bike and get yourself ready for something because yeah. you're going to be miserable and it's not fun. But if we know the right amount of time that we have to work with and you plan for it, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter if you only have two hours, three times a week. That's all you, you know, that's what you have. That's what you have. That's what we plan for. And that's how we make you okay. get to that point. Um, okay. So how much time somebody has? Okay. Um, I think what's the, what's the, the, What's the shortest time you've ever trained someone? Like someone was like, I need to, has anyone been like, I need to get, need to be ready in two weeks? You know? No, that, that's not a, <laughs> okay, here's a plan for two weeks. That's not going to do anything for you. Okay. Um, I've had a few people ask for like a six to eight week plan. Okay. For example, hey, I want to do Monster Cross. This mm-hmm. is my New Year's goal. Mm-hmm. Go. Okay. <laughs> but those are also, those people have also been people that, are well versed in the training side of things and they know like where their fitness is as they're approaching mm-hmm. the ask. Yeah. Uh, it's not like somebody out of the blue that was like, Hey, I just got a bike. I want to go be superstar in eight weeks. And I'll say, well, I'll make you a superstar compared to where you are now. Yeah. <laughs> but if you go beyond that, that's when you're going to start seeing like real results, you know, and in a year or two or three or four, it builds on itself as long as you're you're taking care of your body. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I haven't had anybody say something that short. Get really two weeks. Yeah. Uh, I usually, you know, I usually tell people if there's like a serious uh, new client coming coming at me that yeah, at least six months. Okay. Or if you have a really big goal, yeah, it's, you've you've got to give enough time to let your body adapt to the changes of training and mm-hmm. to do these build phases to get yourself to a point. Otherwise, I feel like I'm lying or cheating to that person saying like, you know, yes, you're going to be the fastest person there. No, but Mm -hmm. we can make you the fastest you at that time 
but what does that mean? Yeah. You know, is it realistic that you're going to be competing or is it just you're going to be in a lot better shape going into it? Yeah. Um, you mentioned Monster Cross, which I learned about maybe two or three weeks ago. Oh, come um, on. Do you have a gravel bike? I have a gravel bike. <gasps> yeah. Do it. Do it. Do it. I'm, I'm thinking about it, but it'll be like, I think I've done, uh, I think I've done like five outdoor rides on this thing. Okay. Um, you know, uh, but, um, I just got a mountain bike in, in October uh-huh. and I've ridden it three times <laughs> and I'm going to do monster cross on it. You can do it. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm thinking of, I rarely do an event where I sign up for the short distance. Uh-huh. Stormy of Thunder okay. Ridge I think is, is exception. Um, so I'm hoping to get out to, to Pocahontas to, to ride around there. Um, this guy, Roy Herschel. Uh, he recorded a video of him doing the 2020 Monster Cross. Uh-huh. You know, I think the whole thing. Um, so I was able to see a video of the 2020 course. Um, so I got a, a decent sense of it. But I'm hoping to go. Not sure. I want to do the 50. It's brutal. I'm not going to scare you, but it's brutal. You know, I just need to know. Like, if it's just a matter of, like, it's difficult because it's taxing on the body yes. as opposed to it's technical. No. And, like, that... Like. I think I can deal with, it's just rough terrain. You just yeah. have to go over for a long time. I yeah. think I can handle that slowly. Yeah. It's so, I just did the course last weekend. Okay. Um, and it had been six years. Okay. So I did, what it is, it's, it's one kind of big lap, mm-hmm. a little loop, and then you do one more big lap again. Okay. If you're doing the long course. Um, it's 97% fire roads. Okay. So it's kind of sand, dirt type stuff okay which is totally doable and then there might be a few uh like single track type sections but okay. they're all doable okay. i mean I've, i usually do it on a cross bike okay my cross bike is terrible right now so i'm using the mountain bike and taking advantage of it but it's, it's totally doable it's just it 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 wears on your body so if you can go out and do the course a couple of times before okay. and yeah. just get a feel for the terrain yeah that'll just help you mentally prepare for it Okay. But it's totally doable. Okay. And there's lots of groups that go out every weekend that do it. And there's files for it. Yeah. Um, the hope was to go out next weekend. But it's looking like the weather's not going to be awesome for go next Saturday. weekend. Saturday. I think Sunday is supposed to be terrible. Go Saturday. I may have to go Saturday. I'm not going to let you say no now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still going to register. I can say no to events, but yes, I, I'm excited to use the gravel bike more because I've nice. got all this road riding. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I'm excited to use the gravel bike at events and, and, and it's got all the rack mounts and things like that yeah. on there. So potentially some bike packing, um, at some future date, once I get more comfortable with it. Talk um, to Jess. Yeah, she <laughs> is very skilled. We did a ride in Bryan park. Yeah. Um, and, uh, she's very skilled, um, at, at, at riding. Yes. And we, she took me through the trails um, in Bryan Park, which was great. Um, and she showed me where she, she kind of rode around and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, she told me about her um, her bikepacking, her unprepared bikepacking of the Blue Ridge Parkway um, kind of stuff. So She's um, always prepared. Even if she's unprepared, she's always prepared. <laughs> well, I'd to say not unprepared, but just, you know, a novice attempt yeah. at the Blue Ridge Parkway uh, bikepacking to say. Um, so, um, 
when you do go on a ride, um, what do you take with you? If you're going on a ride um, tomorrow morning, right? Let's say you do this ride tomorrow morning, right? It's going to be, are you going to do the full picnic loop? Is it going to be picnic loop? Oh, I don't know. Actually, I don't know if I'll do the picnic. Yeah, because okay. it's, so they, that's why I started this vampire I saw thread that, yeah. because I, I so had cool. to be back by seven. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I could leave at 545, but yeah. to be back by seven, they're like mid-ride. Yeah. Um, but I, I have a, a small cohort of people that are literally out right next to where I live. So mm-hmm. I, I pull out my road and I pick like three people up and we end up at a corner where we pick up the last person yeah. and we go. <laughs> um, but we leave at, we, we leave at 5.30 and then we get back at like 6.50. Yeah. Um, but what I would take is a water bottle. Okay. And um, in the winter, that's it. <laughs> okay, wait. <laughs> Is it just water in the water bottle? Yeah. Really? Okay. Okay. So, for me, mm-hmm. it's taken years of, of figuring it all out. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, my rides these days with two kids are, I, I don't think I've done much over two hours in a long time. Okay. Um, so, anything under two hours, I can get away with water. Okay. Uh, I always carry a bar or a gel with me mm-hmm. of some sort, like fig bars and or a banana because... Uh, I'm hypoglycemic. Okay. So just in the event that shoot, I'm having an off sugar day, boom, yeah. I need something. Or if somebody else is like, ah, mm-hmm. I forgot my stuff, which yeah. always happens yeah. if you're riding with a group. Um, but I, in the summertime, no, I'll do, um, I'll do a, a bottle of, of a mix and a bottle of water. Okay. And um, depending on how long I'm riding, um, I try to keep that ratio. Okay. Uh, I never have two bottles of mix unless I, it'd probably be like a five hour ride where I'm like, just give me everything. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then food wise though, I don't, I, I don't require a ton of food mm-hmm. to ride unless I'm doing some really punchy mm-hmm. on, off, on, off, on, off, which then depletes my, my energy system way faster. Okay. Uh, I can do the slow burn and and get away with it whereas you know i have friends and teammates who yeah. are taking snacks 15 20 minutes into a ride and yeah. regularly because yeah. that's what they need to do to keep their energy up um so it's been it's been a long process to figure it out okay. and it, it changes i mean in the winter it's going to be different it's also different depending on how long you're riding of course okay. but yeah. okay. anything under two hours for me i don't really need much okay um yeah um yeah, I think I end up taking like a, a Gatorade, a bottle of Gatorade. Um, and I think when I've done some of the Friday morning yawn at dawn rides is when I'll take take water. Yeah. Because um, it's a fairly short and they're... Easy recovery. Yeah, they're, yeah, yeah. They're, they're casual rides. Yeah. Um, so I'm real, you know, not really breaking a sweat unless it's just, you know, super hot day. Now on Monster Cross, I'm already planning at least a Snickers bar. <laughs> Probably a somehow trying to get a Coke in there, but I got to, got to get the bubbles out. Okay. Because <laughs> um, I'm going to want all the good stuff <laughs> to fuel me through that. <laughs> so, um, when you finish a race, right? Yeah. Um, you finish a race, what do you want to eat after the race? Like, you just, you do, like, what's what's the thing you want to have after everything. you finish a race? And Nothing done. and everything. Okay. When you first finish a race, you just want to 
puke. When you get home, it's safe. Um, I usually have some sort of recovery, whether it's a smoothie or shake or some sort of uh, balance of food to nibble on. Okay. Um, because it takes a while to let, to let your stomach kind of like chill out after a race sure. and be able to actually consume the amount of food that you probably should consume. Mm-hmm. Uh, so within like 30 minutes, I nibble on some stuff, get some stuff in me mm-hmm. and then, um, just, it's terrible, but like it's the time, the only times that I like crave any greasy fried food. Mm-hmm. I don't go necessarily eat it, but yeah. It's, it's, it just nice. like yeah. any like a giant cheeseburger or a slice of pizza or whatever just it sounds so good i know it's crazy that that's what sounds good i don't usually eat that so i say that but that's not usually what i end up eating i usually end up eating something that's very healthy and balanced but so, there are those days where i'm like oh yes bring it on let me have it um so and this is my, you know, non-medical professional uh, opinion on this, but I want to say I remember hearing that when you have those massive, you have these massive cravings, whether it's after, you know, an extraneous event or something like that or anything, um, and you're craving the junk food or whatever, that your body is saying, I want this thing, this, you know, I need sodium, I need right, you need, or something yeah. like that. And that's the thing that comes to mind mentally. Right. Like that, that has yes. the thing. Yeah. Um, you know, it just happens to be a Baconator from Wendy's. And well, I was going to say, I think it's also the justification of, okay, I just did all this, so yeah. now I feel like I've earned something that, like, I normally would never eat type of thing. I don't know. No, yeah. I I, but, um, I think my first year of eating was, eating, the level of eating that happened my first year was new. Um, and understanding, like, oh, man, I just finished the 30-mile ride. I'm going to. I'm going to get the Baconator yeah. with the fries and things yeah. like that, which I was doing. And it was delicious because I just burned a couple hundred calories right. or something like that. Um, so anyway, I, yeah, thought I'd ask. I'm always curious to see, like, when someone finishes a ride, in this case, a race or a yeah. like, like, what's the thing they want to see at the end? And, and you're, you're I'd say pizza is probably the most common thing mm-hmm. that it, it kind of has that nice balance oh, of. Pizza's great. Yeah. Pizza's pizza. I can have pizza. A pizza, it's, it's easy. It's, it tastes great. And it, uh, Yeah. It's good. It checks a lot of boxes. But uh, it's also, you know, like, I've gotten wiser, I would say, (laughs) over the years. Like, when I first started, I mean, I didn't care. Whatever I wanted or whatever I saw, I was like, let me have it. I don't care. (laughs) And now I'm like, oh, yeah, let's see how this really does with my body, especially as you get older and you need different things. So. (laughs) Yeah, not not like we were. Yeah, got to be a little bit more cautious about the food. Yeah. Uh, it does not burn off like it used to. Oh, no. um, <laughs> um, but yes, I'm very curious about the, the snacks that people take. Um, and I've gotten a variety of things um, of what people want to see. Particularly, um, you don't end up doing too many events with the rest stops because you're doing races most of the time, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, so the, the other question I've asked is like, what do you want to see the rest stops? Oh, kind of thing. Trail know. mix. Okay. But the hard part with trial mix is while I want to eat nuts, yeah. they are so hard to digest. Okay. So, um, oh, what are some of the other things? I'm trying to think of what I've seen. Um, I do love, I mean, I love some like some good old natural food. Like just give me a peanut butter sandwich. Yeah. Yeah. You know, just give me a peanut butter sandwich, give me some banana, but yeah. 
having like the salt and the sweet together, mm-hmm. you know, um, some jelly beans, mm-hmm. something like that, like some basic candy you can get at like the dollar dollar candy aisle. <laughs> Those are great for just hey, I don't need to have these fancy goo gummy chewy things that people spend five dollars a packet for. Like you can get the same thing over here. You know, mm-hmm. there's no nutritional difference really. <laughs> Every rest stop should have jelly beans and M and M's. Jelly beans, M and M's, dots. I don't know. <laughs> I have to remember that. Um, hopefully, some event organizers will hear this, and then they'll just think it's super easy to get a huge tub of M and M's and jelly beans, and then everyone will be happy. And pita bread and jelly sandwiches. Oh, and Nutella, Nutella yeah. on something is so good. Really? But like, it's just it's hard to have like the dry things that you have to bite into are really hard for me to do. Like, okay. I have to have more. If I'm doing something really long. I either have to completely stop and like consume something if it's going to be like mm-hmm. a bar or something substantial. Yeah. Or it's got to just be something really smooth that I can take like Seems one soft. or two little bites that yeah. are soft and it's it's down. Mm-hmm. But chewing and chomping and trying to breathe and do all that <laughs> now, I just it do- it doesn't work. <laughs> Not for me. <laughs> yeah. Um the snack um the honey stinger um, Stroop waffles. Oh, Stroop waffles. Um, super delicious. Um, Go to Costco and get them. Really? <laughs> Wait, is it the actual things that they're, or is it like an off-brand of them? It's Stroop waffles. Really? Okay, just real Stroop waffles. Okay. They have a box. I just got them. They have several packets inside. I mean, they're not individually wrapped, so okay. you have to like throw them in a baggie. But that's fine. Yeah. I may give that I've been a taking them, putting them in my pocket recently. Cause I'm like, ooh. Because uh, the honey sugar ones, which are good. Are pricey mm-hmm. for what they are. Because um, sticker branded. <laughs> so I said, go to the dollar store candy aisle and get your candy. Don't go get these like eighteen dollar jelly bean, jelly belly, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, but they do. Costco does have fruit waffles. Um, somebody else has it too. I want to say it might be. It could be Aldi. Which makes sense. Hmm. I think. Don't quote me on that, but. No, it, Thankfully, Aldi and uh, Costco are Googleable. Yeah. So if they have it in stock, that's a thing to easily um, yeah. to, to search there. Um, you're racing, you're training, you're coaching, um, studio. Um, what's something? What's something you'd want to share? A vague thing to say. What's something? Mm. Yeah. And maybe there's nothing. I, try to I don't know. I'm going to deflect. You did ask me what it was like coaching my husband, right? That's right. Yes. You were coaching your husband. Um, okay. So, yes. We'll ask you about to coach your husband. Um, how did that happen? Like, Well, for, I don't know, 10 years probably, he was being coached by Katie Compton. Okay. Who is the number one U.S. Uh, racer for... A gazillion years until this past year mm-hmm. um and then for it might have been two years he's being coached by uh the leader of his the team that he was on at the time mm-hmm. who is the guy that i started coaching with okay. and then i finally was like hey what would you think if i was coaching you which we both did exactly that. We both mm-hmm. kind of laughed. And we're like, yeah. yeah, I don't know if we want to cross that bridge. Yeah. And then, you know, because he's also somebody, like, I, I 
I bounce ideas of training off of Greg. I mean, he's been training just as long or longer than I mm-hmm. have, and he knows he knows it very well. I mean, he's a national champion. He knows mm-hmm. how to get there. So I, uh, he was like, yeah, let's let's do it. Let's give it a go. And then I was like in the oh shit mode. <laughs> <laughs> now I got to do it, and I got to do it right. Yeah. And uh, he he, I know his weaknesses. Mm-hmm. And I know his strengths. And when you push somebody's weaknesses mm-hmm. to make them stronger, mm-hmm. they don't like you very well. So there were some there were some rides where I knew he was going to come home and I needed to be cleared out of the house. <laughs> because the kicking the bucket, throwing the bike, and yeah. cursing and yelling were going to happen. Because mm-hmm. I knew that they would, uh, they would put him in a, in a place of doubt on mm-hmm. his ability. Mm-hmm. But uh, he came through those, and uh, they made him stronger. Nice. And in hindsight, he's like, yes, I know. They were terrible, but that's what I needed. <laughs> and then uh, we got a national championship out of it, so that was pretty yeah. awesome. Nice. Indication. <laughs> but uh, no, it's good. It's, he hasn't been training for the past, well, COVID. We have yeah. not trained since COVID, yeah. which was a big hit for him. Um, he has never not trained in his life. Yeah. And when he broke his collarbone this summer, he literally has never been off of his bike or injured. Yeah. So it was, it was tough for him. Yeah. And, uh, we are back at a point where we're both like, we need to train for something. Mm-hmm. So we are, I am trying to train myself again, Okay. which is going to be a very challenging task, but mm-hmm. I want to do it. And, uh, he's back on a plan. Okay. We're going to start off with Monster Cross this year okay. to get going. But his ultimate goal is going back to national championships in, in the fall for Cross. Uh, um, you mentioned COVID. Okay. Um, and, I, and, you know, I have to ask, like, how, when 2020 happened, particularly March, you know, I think that's when it got really here in the States or things started shutting down, like, how did COVID um, impact your, your, your cycling life? life in general kind of thing uh, as much as you would like to sure share. yeah no no it's fine uh covid was a slap in the face obviously yeah. um so when we shut down our studio the same time that the world was shutting down and we had planned on shutting down for the summer mm-hmm. to find a new location okay because with our studio, we were, you know, we teach classes early in the morning and in the evening. And in the summertime, we really don't teach classes unless there's bad weather. Okay. So we have all this vacant time, but we can't sublet our studio because all of our equipment takes up so much space. space yeah. And you can't just fold it up and put it away and take it back out. So long story short, we were looking for a new venue. COVID hits. We broke our lease. We're able to get out. Mm-hmm. And so that shut down. Okay. Then my son was just born mm-hmm. when all this started. Um, so there were a lot of, uh, I went into a bit of, uh, I'd say postpartum anxiety versus depression. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just lockdown and yeah. the, the fear of everything terrible and being a mom to an infant where what, what could this do or yeah. to a, at the time, three, four, three and a half year old, 
you know, what, what could happen if, if I'm not here, you know, all these, these doubts and these questions. Um, and, and everyone who knows me well and and all my teammates know that I am a stay away. (laughs) This is, this is probably my third or fourth time being in somebody's home in two years, aside from a family member. Okay. So this is, uh, I've, we've been on the very much yeah. Stand back. Yeah. Um, okay. It wasn't until May of this year when I was like, you know, I, I need to see people. I need to like ride my bike outside with people because that seems to be the only place where I, I might feel comfortable with it. Yeah. And I started doing some rides with a couple of people mm-hmm. that were close friends that, that I knew felt very similarly and they knew how I felt. And then uh, that kind of picked up and then I started feeling more comfortable. Everybody started getting, you know, there were vaccines Excellent. out. Everybody's mm-hmm. starting to feel more comfortable. We're getting places. And then uh, we're kind of crawling back into that hole, but yeah, you know, with my husband being a public school teacher, and now my daughter is in public school, yeah. I'm like, well, I'm embracing what I can. <laughs> we're yeah. gonna do what we can. But um, COVID was it, it was it was really rough. I, yeah. I lost a family member to it. Um, Sorry, yeah. And I, I mean, I know everybody's had had their their problems, but I think for me personally, it was extremely difficult to be stuck, not stuck, but at home yeah with two small children mm-hmm. no adult conversations and then my outlets that i previously had mm-hmm. were also taken away so with all of that i just felt very very i don't know in a hole yeah and i i, I feel like i'm finally starting to come out of that hole which is why this year i was like i i need to do something mm-hmm. to get out and remember that I, I'm a person again <laughs> and make that happen. <laughs> you know, yeah, clearly 2020 sucked. And 2021 was was slightly better. It was better. Um, it, yeah, and, and, you know, as I've talked to more people and asked them, like, what was their experience, particularly with the, you know, I, I hear the, I've heard this before with other people, like, yeah, the thing that I want, you know, enjoy doing, I can't, go do anymore that that outlet you know the, yeah. the, the biking or whatever like you know and not be able to do that and that double whammy be like you're not supposed to you can't go do any of the social things um you know and and that is weight on people in different ways um than not being able to go out and, and just be around people you're not supposed to be around people yeah. kind of thing um which sucked ass um and continues to be less than awesome so yeah um well, I think it's hard. It was it was hard for me to adjust to too because I I don't work in an office. Yeah. I don't work in a place where people have gotten comfortable and used to mm-hmm. how to deal with this. Yeah. In a public setting, I've had this fear because when it happened, I was locked into my house anyway, mm-hmm. and and then I didn't have the studio. I didn't have any other. You know, so I yeah. feel like. Everything to me, seeing people do stuff is mm-hmm. so foreign mm-hmm. because I don't live that every day. That's not yeah. my life. So like my husband's like, this is my normal. Like I, I go to work, I go to teach, you know, whatever. Yeah. Like I, I know how to be safe around it, but I'm like, this is weird. Like the first time I was in the same room as somebody else, I'm yeah. like, I, how, yeah, I like you, yeah. first time I went and visited my family, I didn't want to hug anybody. Like I was just like, I, I'm so uncomfortable. I don't even know. Like that's how awkward it was. And I'm an extremely social human being. So I'm like, 
it, it, you know, it's just a very, it's a, it was a very different experience. I, I, I went through a lot of counseling and therapy to kind of help me sort out how to get through yeah. being a, a new mom again and being in a business loss sort of situation and also dealing in a pandemic that everybody was also trying to figure out at the same time and nobody knew what was going on, you know, and I'm sure many people went through the same and worse experiences, yeah. but for me personally, it was the rudest awakening ever. You know, it's, uh, it's a thing that we shared, um, you know, having to, to deal with the pandemic in different ways, but yeah, it is a very, you know, still a personal thing of how are we dealing with it, you know, ourselves, not being able to socialize with people, Yeah. you know, not feeling comfortable seeing our own families, yeah. you know, kind of thing. Um, you know, I, um, yeah, I, you know, trying to have get togethers with friends, like all the things just seem more challenging. Should I see these people? Right. That kind of thing. Uh, I mean, even doing the, the interviews, like sure. there's questions of, you know, being safe and, 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 um, you know, uh, you know, under normal circumstances, be like, "Oh, you had a sniffle; it's, it's fine." Like, right, it's right. Stay away. Right. Just, yeah. Keep <laughs> keep keep your distance. So we know. So, um, but yeah. So I'm I'm. Um, I like to ask, and each person has had a challenging experience. With, yeah. With, with COVID in that year. Um, so there's some comfort in knowing that, um, every uh, other people had a challenging time with it as well. But then discomfort and knowing that like somebody else also had a bad time yeah. that kind of thing, you know. It's the you know, I won't say misery loves company, yeah. but um so thought I'd ask. I mean I wanted to do well we did Hova. Well yeah, yeah. sorry, we did the training team this summer. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And uh that was like terrifying for me. And that's why you probably didn't see me. Because I was like, Greg, I, I, I can do this to a certain extent. Yeah. It's like, I, I can't be around very many people. Mm-hmm. Like we, we asked that everybody be vaccinated, yeah. but I was like, I will be just, I will shoot myself if I bring this home and, you know, my kids get sick or something happens and yeah. I just can't forgive myself, you know? Yeah. And it was really, really hard for me to do it. And I, I think the only thing that helped was the group that I was with this year was two or three people. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, okay, we're not in a large group. I'm not being asked to like, rotate through the other groups and mm-hmm. like be around different people. And, and cause I, I, I would otherwise like get up in your face and be like, Hey, move over. Or I'm going to push you here. Or, I'm going to help you ride this way. Or I'm going to teach you something here. You know, like that's, that would be my approach. But yeah. I was like, I don't want to stop at a rest stop. Yeah. I, I don't want to like, I don't want to be anywhere. I don't want to touch, you know, like that's where my mindset was. And it was really hard, but I, I wanted to do it because I, I wanted to break through that Yeah. to start like, Okay, I can do this. Okay, some, I can do some, this. Some Everybody else can do this. I can do this. We can do this. It's not. It's not a big deal. We've got it. But that was a challenge, and I, I had to tell him like I, I wasn't comfortable doing sex support, and I wasn't comfortable mm-hmm. doing the rest stops, and, and being in a situation where I needed to go, yeah, kind of help anybody who needed it, it, which was terrible because I'm like I'm out here supposed to be helping run this and mm-hmm. be a leader here, and I I felt like I was trying to hide in a hole, and and just hope nobody saw me and just <laughs> like that, you know? And, and it, I, yeah, I, I know everybody, everybody has a, could go on forever about their, their experiences, but. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you were able to participate. Um, and your, uh, trepidation about riding with the group, um, is understandable even without 
kids like for for everyone like i think we all have to be conscious of you know we may feel okay with a thing right or right. our level of interaction with people yeah. um but we need to be you know not forgiving that's not the word i want to go with but like cognizant of people are going to have a different comfort level sure, sure, with sure. interacting with with you know i might be super comfortable with a handshake or a hug or something like that, and yeah. it's like i'm okay no yeah. that's all right no and, and i think we all need to be very comfortable with people having different comfort levels with the level of interaction yeah um but i'm glad you were able to go um and participate to some degree and um I don't say build some confidence, but like yeah. you know, being around people. And, yeah, it was, and, yeah, it was it um, was important. It was definitely important. But yeah, the the thought of going out on a bike ride and or being around people and, and feeling like is this worth it? Yeah. Right. Is this? And I've not I've yet to come across a thing where was like you know what this is worth getting sick like. <laughs> you know, like well, I will I, Instacart. Yeah, I still have that. Like yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, I haven't. I, I wasn't in a grocery. So the first time I took my. My son to a grocery store, uh, it must have been last fall. So a few months, I don't know, six, maybe six months ago. So he was a year and a half old. Yeah. And he was like. <laughs> what is this place? <laughs> what is this? Like he, he had no idea. Like he'd never sat in a cart before. He'd never been inside a store before. Yeah. And yeah. he was just like, he was like, mom, mom, hold me. He was like holding onto my sleeve the whole time. The people, and it yeah. was just like, then you realize what it's doing. And I, mm -hmm. I look at him like socially he's, he's fine. Yeah, you know, yeah. he's developing fine, but sure. like Still he doesn't want to be around people other than us. Cause he doesn't know anybody. Yeah. You know, and I'm thankful we just moved into a neighborhood where there's a lot of kids. Okay. So all the kids play out in the street and they play in the yard. And like, he's starting to see that yeah. there are other people that we interact with. Yeah. Cause I'm like, you know, I thought it was hard for kids who are already like, which is not hard for him. He's, yeah. He'll be fine. But like, you look at it. I look at what I used to do with my daughter at that age. Like, you know, we were in the libraries, we were mm -hmm. in the parks, we had play dates, we did this, we did that, all these things. She never yeah. had a moment where she doubted like what our world was. And yeah. he's like, I don't know what the world is at all. Right. You know, this is crazy. And it's just, it's interesting to see that through his eyes. <laughs> you know, I... When all this was happening, I wondered if, with the kids, I think the adults will adapt because we've, we've had all these years of normal living beforehand. Right. You know, but will there be like a generation of kids who just don't hug, right? Because they learn like there was a time they weren't and it just sticks with them. And then like, yeah. you know, I, I, I wonder about that. You know, I have niece and nephews. They're a bit older, but like for other kids, kind of like, is, is that, you know, how is that going to impact them having this year, this two years yeah. of kind of being told not to be around people yeah. and that kind of thing? Um, I think mental health is at a, is a high right now, especially in youth. Yeah. It's, well, you know, in the, the, like the high school age kids, mm -hmm. it's just, it's hard for them. It's got to be brutal. Yeah. You know, trying to, yeah trying to socialize and, and get to know people and that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, I am sure that is all challenging. Um, I have a niece who's graduating this year. I don't think she enjoyed that. I don't think she, I think she's, she's not super social, but I don't think she enjoyed that having to learn from home kind of thing. I think she yeah. enjoyed being around her friends and things. Um, um, we've talked about COVID, um, and, and its impact and the, coaching and coaching your husband you're still coaching greg yeah okay well, we're just starting back up again okay right right yeah uh monster cross yeah we're here. 
for that. Which, yeah, you know, if 500 people go on the start line with that, with that again, I might be like, well, we might not be doing this. We'll see. That's right. It is a mass start. <laughs> it is a mass, unless they change. I mean, well, I, you know. Yeah, it's, I think they, he kind of separates it in a little bit of waves, but it's still, it's a, it's a mass start. It's a uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, and, and there ain't no six feet rule. <laughs> Right, yeah. It's or even soup. three feet. It's cramming like sardines go. <laughs> I mean, you know, um, and my thought was like, oh, ride, we can ride with a mask at the start. I remember riding with a mask. It was a sweet spot mask. Um, uh, and it was the first time I actually had a... It's not the, it wasn't the first mask I had on. Um, it was the first time I tried to do an activity in any kind of mask. And I remember just like rolling down the hill... <laughs> down Main Street because I live in church I rolled down Main Street on the bike and I was like yeah where this I don't know where I was going but as soon as like is it 14th Street and it starts to come back up uh-huh. like as soon as it tilted up like, and I was like where's the air it's <laughs> 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 coming off yep. um, so there's a thought of like maybe at the start yeah you know because it once you like once it's five out. minutes in yeah, you're yeah you're spreading out and it's not crowded but I, I had my, I went to the gym for the first time just before Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. And I was like, all right, I'm going to try my five in the morning deal. Let's see, you know, and I go and I wear a mask and there's mm-hmm. like two other people wearing masks and mm-hmm. everybody else is like, Hey, what's going on? You know, nothing's wrong in the world. We're all close. Who cares? And I'm just sitting there going, Oh my goodness. Okay. But you know, there's enough space for me to be like, Mm-hmm. Where I wanted to be without being close to people, but yeah. I'm like I'm on the rowing machine, I'm on the bike, I'm like doing stuff, yeah. and I am like <gasps> gasping because I have the mask on. Yeah. And I was like, this is just mm-hmm. this is just stupid. Like I no, so I haven't gone back. I'm like I I can't go until I could get to a place where so there's not as many people when I want to go in. And this mask is the Under Armour mask, um, and it looks great. This mask looks great, um, and it feels actually pretty good. But I don't know if it's just like really effective. But it's hard. Like I've tried to like just like lift weights in this, uh-huh. and then I can definitely feel the restriction of the like the airflow, like just less air yeah. coming in. Um, it's good. What do we call this? Is this altitude training? Should we <laughs> should we go do something cool like at altitude and be like, hey, I am totally prepared now. <laughs> no, no, not at all. It's not how I'm gonna do that. Um, but then it's like, you know, do you, it's been interesting seeing people, you know, talk about going to the gym, right? Um, you know, people's getting to their being comfortable being around people, like different people yeah. got to that sooner, you know, being comfortable to be in the gym and sweating, yeah. you know, the equipment and all that kind of stuff, you know, where others are still like in their bunker, like they're right. not going out at all, you know, and seeing other humans is just odd still at this time, you know, so, so that part's interesting seeing people kind of, you know, getting to certain comfort levels yeah. um, to do stuff, you know, to be able to even like go show up at the outdoor bike rides yeah. kind of thing um, or go to the gym, which I, I don't go to the gym. I, I bought some Bowflex weights and, and yeah. I do all that stuff here, which is you know, it's a great investment. So, Well, you know, a, how old was he? 15, 16 months. I think I started putting a mask on my son Okay. just to get him used to it to yeah, try it yeah 
see if you get comfortable with it. That way it would help me if I was like, hey, we need to go somewhere mm -hmm. and I want you to have a mask on for like 10 minutes. Yeah. And uh, it turned into a, like at first, now rip it off, rip it off. And yeah. then it was like a, oh, my sister's wearing one. Mm -hmm. You're wearing one. Everybody, I want it on. Put it on. Put it on. Aww. And so he's been like, shockingly, he's been awesome yeah. with it. Like, I think the, the the young kids don't even care, really. They're used to it. But it, it was surprising. Because I remember when they were saying, like, hey, we're going to try to get two-year-olds and up to wear them. And I'm like, yeah, how are you going to get a two-year-old to wear that? And I was yeah. like, wait a second. Okay. Yeah. He could do it. Like, it could work, you know? And it's, yeah. I don't know. It's interesting having a small child be able to wear a mask. And then adults not willing to wear a mask it's a choice yeah and it being, is a choice it's told it's being told it is a choice you can't tell me what to do i live no. in america i'm free of speech and you know. i get it like i i whatever you know but we're just gonna i don't know i'm not gonna get into it right now <laughs> I, yeah yeah it, yeah it's a it's you know it's a it's a touchy thing in certain places but you know um hopefully we will do things to keep each other safe yeah um so um wow uh, a lot has been covered Aaron. um do you have a middle name i do what's your middle name elizabeth elizabeth okay yeah. all right i apparently i just feel like i have to ask everyone their middle name so Interesting. I've everyone's i've gotten actually so what happened is it's part of the, like it's part of the iceberg it's like i don't know what the first question asked so it's just like asked someone what's their name mean? and then got their middle name and then it just and realized right. everyone's had a middle name yeah um you know, so I feel like I need to ask you for your middle name. There you go. So, um, either way. Um, so, uh, Aaron, I, I appreciate your time um, and, you know, um, your willingness to come by and, and do this at this, you know, this hour. Um, so <laughs> no, thank you for doing it at this hour because it's the only time of the day I have to do this after my children go to bed. <laughs> you know, I'm a, I stay up pretty late myself. So, like, this is, this is actually a completely fine yeah it's a fine time because she gave me some i work eight to five so i gave me some time yeah. after work but okay oh, um so this worked out i'm glad we were going to figure this out yeah um so yeah thank you for your time and uh we'll see you on the road somewhere yeah